Well, hello, and I want to welcome you to the Victory Church Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Horton. I'm here to bring you a short message that's designed to help you become all that God created you to be and to live your life to the fullest. Thank you so much for listening. Let's get into today's message. Well, welcome again to our Victory Church weekly broad, uh, podcasts. Uh, Pastor Mitch Horton here. Hope you're doing well today. Glad you joined us today and uh, just uh, got some exciting things to share again. I want to encourage you again. We've made some changes in our services on the weekends and um, and and it's it's really, really going to be powerful already as it started out to be that way. We started last Sunday. We combined uh, our two Sunday morning services uh, into one. You, you say, well, that seems like you're going back No, no, actually, it's a tremendous step forwards because we're not just having a service, but it is an experience with God, an encounter with God. It's not just a service, it's an encounter with God. So that's what we want to have. And um, so that's on the weekends, uh, 9 o'clock, I'll come at 8 o'clock for prayer. Uh, And we have a really big crowd coming to pray at 8 to 8.40. Then we got a 20-minute intermission, and then we start at 9 promptly. Awesome time. And we're giving room for the Holy Spirit to manifest Himself in the way He wants to. It's a paradigm shift. It's a new wineskin. It's a new way of doing church in a day when we have so many challenges. And, And we just need to be full of God. We need to have an experience with God. We need to be filled with the Spirit all the time. You know, Ephesians 5, 8 says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Um, the Greek reads, text reads, I think Kenneth Wiest brings this out in his uh, Wiest translation of the New Testament, be being filled with the Spirit. So it's a progressive present tense. We're, we're baptized with the Holy Spirit one time, but we should have many fillings of the Spirit. So we're, we're to stay filled with the Spirit, and that's a constant process. So we get in the Word as we, as we pray, as we worship, and God fills us up over and over and over again. And you know, you need that to counteract all of the darkness and the pressure from the outside we're all experiencing. If we stay full of Jesus on the inside, there's no room for the enemy to come in and mess with your life when he encourages you to stay full of God. So, so amazing day. I want to pick up where I left off last time. Uh, with Isaiah 60 verse 1 and I read this I've read this so many times over the last number of years but I think we're living in a fulfillment of this where it says arise shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you and today is a day for the glory of the Lord of the presence of God to rise up in God's people all over the world and because and, and the next verse says for behold darkness will cover the earth And deep or gross darkness, I think King James says, gross darkness, the people. But he says, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. So as things get darker, as sin increases, as lawlessness and wickedness uh, and the mischievousness of Satan increase in our time, he said, he said, the glory of the Lord will come upon us. He said, the Lord will arise over you during this time. And his glory will be seen upon you. You know, uh, uh, the darker it gets, the brighter the light is. You may not think that one little match 
or one little spark is very bright until there's no other light around. And that's when you show see the brightness of light. You know, I've been to the Linville Caverns in North Carolina. And uh, I think it is, maybe it's Tennessee, but uh, nonetheless, you go way, way down. And the guy said, watch this. He cut the lights off. We were way, way down underground. And y'all, it was, it was pitch black, total darkness. You couldn't see anything. In fact, I think he said the fish actually go blind because of, there's no light whatsoever. And then he cut the lights back on and we had to shield our eyes. So see, see, the darkness gets greater, but it makes the light appear so much brighter. So that's the way it is today. And God has given us weapons of warfare. He's got ways for us to deal with the pressures of today. And I mentioned this last time. Go back and listen to the last podcast if you didn't hear it. We have the weapons of our warfare, Second Corinthians 10.3. The war, weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but mighty in God. We have the Word of God as a weapon. We have the name of Jesus as a weapon. We have the blood of Jesus as a weapon. And what I want to cover today, this is a tremendous weapon that God is waking up in the lives of believers today. We have praise and worship as a weapon of our warfare. Let me show you how I know that and why it's so powerful today. I encourage you to get involved in a local church where you can worship with abandon and then in your own personal prayer life, spend time worshiping Jesus, not just praying. You, you get into praise and worship before God by yourself in your own prayer closet. Then when we come together as believers collectively, we can, we can create a tremendous atmosphere of the presence of Jesus as we worship. Let me show you how it works. Psalm 22, verse 3, um, and this is um, and, and this is the modern English version. It's very, very uh, similar to King James. It's a complementary to the King James, taking out the thou's, these, thus's, and such. Modern English version, Psalm 22, 3, but you are holy, O you who inhabits the praises of Israel. Now, that's a big deal. God inhabits praise. We're going to come back to that word at the end of this podcast, so let me hurry along here. I want you to see one thing that happens when we get into worship is God's presence manifests among us. When we enter into heartfelt worship, there is the pre the presence of God literally manifest. Now, we're beginning to see this in our church on Sunday, and many churches have this happening now. If you'll not just sing songs, it's great to have a good praise and worship team. It's great to have good musicians. It's great to have all the lights and all the ambiance, if that's what you like. It's fine. But I want you to know this presence. I've been in Africa, and this presence will manifest under a tree in 100-degree weather. I've seen it happen. This same presence. It's not the it's not the human atmosphere we create with all the technical things we have around us. It is what we do with our hearts that creates a presence that can absolutely uh, inoculate us from all of the works of the enemy from the outside trying to creep in and hinder our life in God. That, pr that presence of God is absolutely amazing. And I want to show you something. The presence of God manifested in the Old Testament tabernacle, uh, tabernacle first as the Israelites wandered in the, in the wilderness and then, and then secondly in the temple. And uh, that same presence manifests during praise and worship. I want to show you 
you how I know that. Watch this real quickly. Exodus 25, 17. Uh, this is God speaking to Moses about his worship. And here's what he said. Listen, you shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two and a half cubits shall be its length and a cubit and a half its width. And you shall make two cherubim of gold of hammered work. You shall make them at the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub at one end, one the other at the other end. You shall make the, arabim, uh, the cherubim at the ends at the two ends of the one piece with the mercy seat. So let, let me let me explain. So he's talking here about the manufacture of the um, Ark of the Covenant, which was a was a rectangular box, and the top, the lid of that was called the mercy seat. It's the lid for the Ark of the Covenant. It had two cherubim of hammered gold, one on one side, one on the other side. They're facing each other, and their wings were spread out. And so here's what it says in verse 20. The cherubim shall stretch out their wings above, covering the mercy seat or the lid of the ark with their wings. And they shall face one another. The faces of the cherubim shall be towards the mercy seat. That is, they're looking down on the mercy seat. You shall put the mercy seat or the lid on top of the ark. And in the ark you shall put the testimony I'll give you. And there I will meet you, and that's the, the Ten Commandments. And there, I'll, and there, between the cherubim, I will meet with you, and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim, which are on the Ark of the Testimony, about everything which I will give you in commandment to the children of Israel. So here's what God said. Make a, make a, 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 make a cover for the Ark. It's called the mercy seat. Put two cherubim on it, have them face each other, facing down, and and have their wings outstretched. So really, when you look at the the lid for the Ark of the Covenant, what you're drawn to, your attention's drawn to these two cherubim or angels with their wings outstretched. And they're almost touching each other, but they're creating an environment right over the lid of the Ark of the Covenant. It's called the mercy seat. And that's where... You remember on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would come with the blood of an animal, animal and he would sprinkle it on the lid or the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. Now, let me tell you why that's so significant. And I, I'm going to show you right now. Listen, when, 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 when God manifested his presence to the Israelites, you remember they, they created the, the tabernacle in the wilderness, which was a tent. And in the very that that was mobile, and they moved it wherever they went as they wandered for almost forty years in the wilderness before they went to Canaan's land. And in the very back of that was the Holy of Holies. It was a place that was partitioned off with a with a wall of skin of some kind, and. And you go through the door of that into a place called the Holy of Holies, which was where the Ark of the Covenant rested with his cherubim on the, on the lid of the mercy seat. And so that's where the presence of God manifests in the Old Covenant. They didn't have the Holy Spirit inside of them as Old Covenant believers. The, Holy, the, uh, the presence of God was right there in the Holy of Holies in a man-made place, and he hovered in between the two cherubim on top of that ark, on, over the mercy seat, over the lid of the ark. And so, so get the idea. You've read the Old Testament. You understand. If you've read it, you understand that, that at night, or let me just first of all say at day, there was a cloud. And when you looked at the, at the tabernacle where, where God was worshipped among the Israelites right in the center of their camp, 
you would look up at the very end of it where the Holy of Holies was, the back section of that tabernacle. You'd look up and you'd see a cloud. And you know what that cloud was? It was the presence of God that hovered over the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. And, my God, and really it was right there between the, it started right there between the cherubim over the Ark of the Covenant and it went way up in the sky. Then at night they'd peep out their tent and they'd look over there, and there's the, there's the Ark of the Covenant, there's the tabernacle. And then they would look up and they would see a fire glowing right over the Holy of Holies. <laughs> and that started right between the cherubim. Over They were looking down on the Ark of the Covenant, which had the Ten Commandments, which had Aaron's rod that budded, which had some manna in a cup right inside. And it, it stood for God's promises, God's covenant with the Israelites. And so, again, God's presence was there with him, and they could physically see the presence. And so I, I, what I'm trying to emphasize is in the Old Testament, God manifested himself between the cherubim right there over the Ark of the Covenant right there at the mercy seat between the two faces of the, of the angels. 1 Samuel 4, 4 says this, So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. Wow! He dwells between the cherubim. See, God manifested his presence between those two angels right, right there over the ark. Psalm 80, verse 1, um, it says, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, who lead Joseph like a flock, you who dwell between the cherubim shine forth. Wow. See, God's manifest presence. They knew it right, right there over the Ark of the Covenant, right there at the, at the lid, the, ark, the, the mercy seat, the presence of God for all to see throughout Israel as they looked toward the tabernacle. Psalm 99, verse 1, the Lord reigns, let the people tremble. He dwells between the cherubim. Let the earth be moved. Wow, isn't that incredible? So when you, you read that phrase, between the cherubim, God dwells between the cherubim. It's saying God's manifest presence is there. It's right there with the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament. And then, of course, the tabernacle, and then you have Solomon's temple when they came into Israel. And of course, David's son Solomon built the temple. David was a man of war, and God said, no man of war will build my temple. Your son will. So he did. At the dedication of the temple, 2 Chronicles 5.11, came to pass when the priests came out of the most holy place. For all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without keeping to their division. And the Levites, who were the singers, and those of Asaph, and Heman, and Jedithan, and their sons, and all their brothers, they stood at the east end of the altar, clothed in white linen, having cymbals, stringed instruments, and harps, and with them 120 priests sounding with trumpets. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord, when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets, cymbals, and instruments of music, and praised the Lord, saying, For the Lord is good, for His mercy endures forever. Watch, watch, that the house... This is 2 Chronicles 5, 13, that the house, the house of the Lord was filled, the cloud, verse 14, 2 Chronicles 5. So the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. What happened during the, the dedication of Solomon's temple? They began to worship. They played their instruments. The people sang together in unison, in one accord. And when they worshiped and when they praised, the presence of God came. It was an 
absolutely thrilling, incredible time. The presence came so much so that they couldn't remain standing. They fell out onto the floor under the power of God because their worship had created a place for God to dwell in. Wow. Now, everything I just said is summed up again in the verse I just read earlier, Psalm 22, 3. But you were holy, O you who inhabit the praises of Israel. That word inhabit, that's, that's the King James Version or modern English Version says it as well. Uh, you are holy who inhabit. God inhabits praise. What does it mean by he inhabits praise? The New Living Translation and other translations say the same. Yet you were wholly enthroned on the praises of Israel. You know what that verse is really saying? When God, when you begin to worship the Lord from your heart, when you begin to praise God seriously and sincerely, it causes a manifestation of the presence of God. He becomes enthroned. That is, he inhabits. That is, who he is comes into the atmosphere where heartfelt praise and worship occurs. And friends, that is a weapon of our warfare. It's something that Satan and the demon forces of hell cannot stand because the presence of God comes when you begin to worship. Now, I have some notes from um, um, the Spirit-Filled Life uh, Bible and uh, tremendous notes from this um, that I want to read to you. I've had this Bible for many years in my in my personal uh, my personal Bible collection. I've got so many now. I also have it digitally, but his notes on Psalm twenty two. Uh, three are just absolutely incredible that I want to read to you. Jack Hayford, who just went to be with the Lord a little while ago, had some tremendous notes. Listen to what he said about Psalm 22, 3. You who inhabits the praises of Israel. Here's what he says. The Psalms were the praise hymnal of the early church and as such are laden with principles fully applicable for New Testament living today. Few principles are more essential to our understanding than this one, he says. The presence of God's kingdom power is directly related to the practice of God's praise. Let me say it again. The presence of God's kingdom power is directly related to the practice of God's praise. The verb enthroned indicates that when wherever God's people exalt his name, he's ready to manifest his kingdom power in the way most appropriate to the situation as his rule is invited to invade our setting. That is incredible. Thank you, Jack Hayford, from the Spirit-Filled Life Bible. In fact, he says, it is the fact that properly leads many to conclude that in a very real way, praise prepares a specific and present place for God among his people. Some have, some have chosen the term established his throne. Uh, to describe this enthroning of God in our midst by worshiping and praising. God awaits the prayerful praise-filled worship of his people as an entry point for his kingdom to come, to enter that will that his will will be done in human circumstance. So good. We do not manipulate God, but align ourselves with his great kingdom uh, truth. He, his is the power Ours is the privilege and responsibility to welcome him into our world, our private, present world, 
or the circumstances of our society. All that is just incredible. And y'all, when you really begin to enter into praise and worship, God really does begin to manifest himself. And that's what we're seeing. All of our nation now in various colleges is spreading, you know, kind of like wildfire, fire, so to speak. You know, it, it, we need the word. Yes, we need to preach the word strong, but we need good praise and worship too because it's one of the weapons of our warfare and it's, it's what keeps the enemy at bay so that God can minister to you by his spirit. Praise and worship. Uh, uh, Jack Hayford went on to say, since God is enthroned in the praises, worship is the key to entering fully into his presence. The concept here is that praise releases God's glory, thus bringing the worshipers actualized responses of his kingly reign. His throne responses through the Holy Spirit can take many forms such as prophecy, healings, miracles, affirmation to the individual hearts, a call to reverential silence and awe, conviction of sin, salvation of sinners. This verse should be a guiding goal, Jack Hayford says, for all personal and corporate worship times. Again, I'm reading that from, it's a note from the Spirit-Filled Life Bible, Psalm 22.3. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. See, when we worship, God manifests his kingdom power and his presence among us. And that's what many of us are experiencing. I can tell you here at Victory Church and our services, we're experiencing the presence of God. That is just awesome as we worship. And it's not just worshiping because it's something we do on Sunday mornings or it's something we do when we get together as believers. It's not just singing out of a hymnal. I, I attended church as a little boy, and we sang hymns every Sunday, morning, night, and then Wednesday nights, and that's all we did, and it was just singing hymns. We didn't realize that if you get your heart involved in that, you're actually creating an environment for God's presence to dwell in, and God's presence brings healing. It brings miracles. It brings freedom. It brings freedom from fear. It brings freedom from depression, from bondage. It brings freedom to your life, and it causes demon spirits to move out of the way. That's what he's saying. Then Psalm 149 is a great verse concerning praise and worship, verses 6 and 7. In fact, I'm not going to take the time, but go back and read the whole of Psalm 149. Just really great. But, but to point this out, Psalm 149, 6 through 9 says this, let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations, punishments on the people, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the written judgment, this honor have all the saints. So he says, praise and worship here, the psalmist says, it can be like a double-edged sword in your hand. What does it do? Executes vengeance on the nations, punishments on the people, binds their kings with chains, nobles with fetters of iron. This is talking about the demon forces that Jesus defeated when he went to hell and was raised from the dead and got back in a glorified physical body and is now now seated at the right hand of God, Jesus conquered Satan and all of his emissaries. He conquered him on our behalf, and now we're seated with Jesus in heavenly places. When we worship, we, we cause that whole scenario to manifest around us. God's power, the kingdom power, God's presence is all around us when we worship. Listen again to Jack Hayford. His notes are just awesome on these verses. I don't want to read them, but again, this is from the New Spirit-Filled Life Bible. 
I want you to hear this. Here's what he said. There are two groups of verses here. One, he talks about all of Psalm 149. One deals with praise, verses 1 through 4 deals with our praise. And the other with judgment, verses 5 through 9, which we just read. Uh, Through the linking of these two concepts, the psalm teaches us that there is tremendous power, listen, in in worship and praise. Of the mighty spiritual weapons given believers, worship and praise are the chief among them. They enthrone God to deal directly with our spiritual enemies. Wow. Worship brings God on the scene. That's what he's saying. Listen to what else he says. Here's his commentary from the New Spirit-Filled Life Bible, Psalm 149, verse 5. Jack Hayford, private and public praise. He says, here is, here is instruction to sing praise in the privacy of one's home, not only in public gatherings, but to sing in private worship as well. And uh, uh, this Old Testament call reminds us of the New Testament revelation that we are temples or sanctuaries of the Holy Spirit. So says 1 Corinthians six nineteen and Ephesians 2, 20 through 22. Further, we see this mobility, praising in all places as a marching army confronting fro- foes, not human, but the powers of hell with praise brandished like a sword. And, he, and we just read that in Psalm 149, 6 through 8. The written judgment in New Testament terms reminds us of how praise not only honors the victory of Calvary, but also applies the triumph of the cross to real life struggles anywhere. Worship brings what Jesus did on the scene into your life and right around you. So if you're struggling with all kinds of things, some of you right now, you're struggling with despair, hopelessness, fear, agitation, illness. Listen, you begin to worship the Lord. I'm telling you, this stuff has to back up in your life. Let me give you one more uh, quote from Jack Hayford, New Spirit-Filled Life Bible Notes. Uh, his commentary on Psalm 149, verse 6. And again, he's talking about he's talking about these verses. So again, he says, let the high praises of God, the psalmist said, be in their mouth and a double-edged sword in their hand. And Jack Hayford says in his commentary, New Spirit-Filled Life Bible. This statement may be the draw, may be drawing from the Old Testament historical events of sending, sending the singers and Levites out to battle with the Israelite soldiers. Remember Hezekiah's army, 2 Chronicles 20. Human strength without acknowledging God's might does not win spiritual battles either, he says. Jack Hafer goes on to say high praises, although the Hebrew word there means, he says, its basic meaning is being lifted up or exalted. And he says there are various interpretations to this Hebrew word. It refers to high in the sense of volume, as in the musical notation fortissimo, or high as exalted motives. The word might also refer to an exalted place or a high place, as in the place of angels in the spirit world. This would be likened to the heavenly places spoken of in Ephesians 6.12. Uh, and which, that's where our warfare is, he says. Coupled with the language of the two-edged sword, the assembly of saints, assembly being also used of a military formation, and references to vengeance, punishment, and judgment, this psalm is a unique depiction of praise as an effective weapon in spiritual warfare. The, he ends this by saying the literal enemies mentioned here find their New Testament counterparts in Paul's list that we read earlier, Ephesians six twelve principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places, and in the generalized works of the devil, disease, poverty, demonization, and so on. All these enemies can be countered to a worshiper's life.
um, rain uh, by God's rain through heartfelt worship and praise. So it's incredible, y'all. Let me give you an illustration as I conclude today. This is uh, well, March of uh, you know it was like March of of, of uh, 1985. I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was on staff at a large church there, and I had a big workday plan. I got up that morning. Honestly, I'd have had to feel better to die. I felt really bad. And this flu thing, it's the worst of the worst of the worst. I mean, it was the worst I've ever seen in my life or felt in my life. Boy, I got up out of bed. I could hardly get out of bed. I couldn't think. I couldn't speak. I couldn't do anything. It was awful. My head was pounding. I could hardly breathe. It was just terrible. This thing had glassed hold of me during the night. And I got up, and there it was. And uh, so I called my secretary and said, cancel my appointments because there's no way I could work in the state I was in. So I called her and, and uh, I was listening to some healing scriptures. Kenneth Hagin has um, uh, had a cassette tape and has a, C- a, a CD or, or whatever, or MP3 of, uh, of uh, healing scriptures, just reading the Bible. And I was listening to that as I lay on my bed, and, uh, and I, I prayed and asked God to heal me. And I was believing I received my healing. Like Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty four. 24, whatever you desire when you pray, believe you receive, you'll have. I was laying there, and the Lord said, you believe you're healed? And I said, well, yeah, I just prayed, Mark eleven twenty four. 24, whatever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them, and you will have them. He said, well, if you believe you're healed, I want you to get up and begin to worship. Just walk around and worship me. I said, okay. I got up out of my bed, and I hurt. You know, when you when you got a fever, you just ache. I ached all over. Y'all, I, I still remember. I You know, my bedroom is the first house Susan and I had ever bought, and we were in that house. I was walking back around my bed, back and forth, back and forth, down one side of the bed, down the, the you know feet of the bed, and then up the other side. I walked around around 10, 15 minutes, and I just worshiped the Lord. I mean, I had my hands up in the air. I was praising God. I was, I was croaking because I couldn't talk well. I was just praising God, saying, glory to God, just worship you, Father. Then a song would come to my mind, and I would sing a song. And I would worship the Lord in the middle of doing that, 10, 15 minutes. Y'all, the presence of God hit me. And when the presence of God hit me, March 1985, as I was walking around my bed worshiping the Lord, the power of God fell on me. And all of the fever broke. I sweated profusely. It all left. And then all of the bad feeling left. It was just like a bird on the tree limb flew away. And I suddenly found myself okay. I mean, it was a a supernatural act. And I think God did that to me. Uh, 1985, I would have been 27 years old. He taught me a lesson by showing me the power of praise and worship by healing me when I was walking around my bed. And you know what? I called my secretary up and said, call those appointments back. I'm coming into work. And y'all, I worked all day long and I was fine. The there's power. I don't care if it's healing that you need. You're overcoming some terrible situations at work. There's some fears that are trying to grab a hold of you, or the enemy's trying to remind you of your past, or whatever it may be. I want you to know there is tremendous power in praise and worship, and God wants you to in, to to allow Him to inhabit the praise that comes out of your mouth. When you go to church, wherever you go to church, if you come to victory, get ready. You go to another church, get ready. Let the power of God be one of the participants in the praise and worship from your heart so that the power of God can explode 
in the atmosphere because we're living in a day. <laughs> we're going to see signs, wonders, miracles, gifts of the Spirit. We're going to see God do tremendous things as the enemy raises his ugly head. We're going to have tremendous dynamism, the family of God, for those that choose to walk with God, seek first the kingdom of God, and choose to use the weapon of worship and praise. Lord, let your presence come on every person that listens to this. And let your power, the power of your kingdom, explode all around us and use us to minister life to the people around us in Jesus' name. God bless you, my friend. I can't wait to talk to you next time. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the Victory Church Weekly Podcast. I hope you're able to get something out of the message today. Before you leave, please make sure uh, that you subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform that you're listening from. Doing this goes a long way in helping us reach a wider audience. Lastly, if you want to reach out with questions, concerns, prayer requests, or comments about today's content, you can email me at pastor at victorychurchraleigh.com. I would love to hear from you. Now go out there and be all that God created you to be today. God bless you.